Ian Rowe. Were you surprised to see the uh, sweeping and definitive nature of this decision? Well, as always, Michael, thank you for having me on. I actually am pleasantly not surprised. Anyone who had looked at the cases in question at Harvard and the University of North Carolina, if they looked at the actual data, you could not walk away without the conclusion that blatant racial discrimination uh, was uh, being conducted by Harvard and UNC, in this case, against uh, Asian students in favor of black students. If you look at just some of the data, you know, of, of an applicant, you know, a, a black student applying, uh, you know, Harvard has these 10 uh, categories, uh, you know, one to 10, you know, ranked in, um, you know, best evidence of getting in. Essentially, if you were ranked in the top one um, tenth of, of Asian applicants, essentially you had the same chance of getting in as a black student who may have been in the fifth or sixth or seventh uh, category. So it was just blatant, uh, blatant discrimination. I'm just thankful that the courts had the courage uh, to put forth the decision and to make it on a principled basis. I mean, Justice Thomas, in his in his opinion, said, quote, the solution to our nation's racial problems cannot come from policies grounded in affirmative action or some other conception of equity. Racialism simply cannot be undone by different or more racialism. End point. It's such a it's such a powerful position because we can simultaneously as a country uh, acknowledge that the history of race may at one time have justified this kind of preferential treatment based on skin color. But that day uh, we've shown enough progress to say that race does not have to be the defining characteristic to make the assumption to make the assumption that simply based on skin color, you must have this special treatment. And and I sent that uh, tweet that you just mentioned many years from now, black kids who are accepted at elite schools will be able to confidently know that they are there based on their merit and not because someone uh, essentially looked down on them because of their skin color. You must be marginalized. You must be oppressed. No. I'm here because I earned it. There's also a, another aspect to this that is very, very rarely discussed, it seems to me, which is um, there's a powerful book called Mismatch, which came out, oh, mm. I think maybe 20 years ago. And what it looked at is one of the products of the affirmative action regime we had in terms of college admission it was not so much that more black people were going to college. It was just that they were going to different colleges than they otherwise would. So that yep. rather than being admitted to uh, the Central Washington State University, uh, you would end up getting ad admitted to Cornell, which is, by the way, where you went to school, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yes. And and all of a sudden you would be with people who 
of of different races, particularly Asian and white people, who were much more prepared for the competition that is part of any kind of um, high prestige, high quality school. And uh, this w would explain one of the real tragedies was uh, that the n number of black people who get admitted to college at any level who actually finish within six years and actually get a degree, that percentage is not high enough. It's not it's not 50 percent even. And no, it's remarkably uh, low. Yes. And that's one of the things you, you, you're dealing with, with your, your work with the Vertex Partnership Academics, isn't it? Yes. So I, I have personal experience. As you just mentioned, I was a student in the College of Engineering at Cornell University. And unfortunately, there were uh, students, several of my black male colleagues in particular, who did not make it. You know, they started, it was a very rigorous program. And unfortunately, a majority of them did not finish. And uh, and it's not because they weren't smart or talented or didn't work hard. They just didn't have the proper academic preparation. And so this is what mismatch is when there's such a zeal uh, to accept kids elevating their race above all factors that you actually end up doing a disservice to the very students you're seeking to help. And that's the put students in positions that uh, they're not prepared for. And by the way, this isn't only based on race. Sometimes it's, it's linked to legacy admissions. It's, it's linked to any kind of admission process that elevates one characteristic over the ones that are most indicative of the actual preparation of that student. And yes, um, you know, my hope is that this decision not only does it remove the stigma for kids who are getting into top colleges to know that they've earned their place there, but also it will expose the real underlying problem here, which is that not enough kids of all races are coming out of our K-12 system prepared for college and higher ed expectations. You know, that's the dirty little secret that, you know, race-based affirmative action essentially was being treated as a back-end Band-Aid to try and make up for the inadequate jobs that kids, particularly black kids, poor kids, were getting in K through 12. Like, okay, well, let's create special preferences for kids that are not prepared, and somehow that's going to make the overall system better. Hopefully this decision exposes the need for, yes, schools like ours that we've just launched in the Bronx, what we hope to believe, you know, will be one of the best high schools uh, in the country that prepares kids well so that they can compete on equal footing. So race-based affirmative action is not what we, you know, what, what you know, the system has been relying upon. Okay, so how do you get that kind of quality high school going? And what are the most important uh, elements of that kind of preparation that you're talking about? We're speaking with Ian Rowe from uh, the uh, American Enterprise Institute. Um, coming right back with him on the MedVet Show.
This is the Michael Medved Show. And it's my pleasure to be speaking with Ian Rowe, educator, author, and entrepreneur, who is not only a senior fellow at American Enterprise Institute, he is the co-founder of Vertex Partnership Academics. And he is also the author of a, an important book called Agency, which is uh, a, an extraordinarily appropriate way of uh, responding to the, the critics of the Supreme Court decision rendered today uh, that people should be judged on uh, themselves as individuals and their own characteristics, not upon their racial background. Um, you, I'm sure, uh, have touched before on the connection between agency, this idea that uh, I am the captain of my fate and I am the master of my soul, that you're yeah. in control of your own destiny. And uh, how does that figure in to a vision of making American education across the board what it should be? I, I will just tell you, we had a Chris Christie on the show yesterday. And I asked him what his number one priority would be to change America if he were elected president of the United States. And he said it would be choice in education, uh, giving yeah. choice, educational choice across the board in every state and in every corner of the country. You would tend choice to agree with that, wouldn't you? Yes, I would. Choice in education and elevation of merit. Merit as the standard bar of excellence. You know, we talked earlier about my time at Cornell. I also was a student at Harvard Business School, and this was 30 years ago, so I was the class of 1993. So ironically, I started in 1991, right around the time that the hearings were happening with Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill. And there was a lot of talk back then of affirmative action. Did he get there? Did he Was, was he elevated only because of his race? And I remember I was uh, my very first year sitting with uh, two black male second year students. They were joking about how they had gotten in to Harvard Business School. And I distinctly remember one saying, because I was a diversity admit. And I wrote an essay on it, you know, nearly 30 years ago. I was, I'm pulling it up now, where I talked about this sense of self doubt that happens amongst potentially really talented people to not know if the reason that they're there is because of their own earned action or if simply someone deemed them uh, that they had to have a step up based on skin color. We can't have a country based on perceptions or misperceptions of race being a, an inherent advantage or disadvantage. Thankfully, the Supreme Court has now hopefully removed that so we can now focus on education and preparation of kids of all races. According to the National Assessment of Educational Progress, it is still the situation where only close to 40% of kids of all fourth graders in our country and eighth graders are even reading at grade level. We have to stop Mr. Christie's right, uh, along with strengthening families, prioritizing choice and education and a system based on merit is how we as a country have to move forward. 
I've never had a kid in my entire history of running charter schools in the heart of the South Bronx where the parents say to me, please, Mr. Rowe, please tell my black child that, you know, the country is inherently racist, that we have to have, you know, affirmative action because the only way they can succeed is if there are these quotas or, or special privileges. Not at all. Our parents want our kids to be able to excel at the highest level. We will get that if we change our focus from these quota-based systems, these artificial interventions, to true educational choice so that parents can give their kids an equal shot at the American dream. Let me give you an equal shot at responding to something that uh, Eddie Gloud, who's a professor at Princeton, uh, and, and uh, like you, is also African-American. He was on MSNBC, and he had this prediction of the impact of the decision today by the Supreme Court. This is clip 10. Great. Well, um, you know, to be honest with you, it, it, we will return to uh, elite institutions, more, more specifically, uh, being the space for a particular population, for predominantly white and Asian students. We will begin to see a kind of segregated uh, uh, higher education landscape. And the irony, of course, uh, as I try to, I, I've anticipated this decision, but to hear it, I'm, I'm kind of still, I'm, I'm trying to manage my emotions. But, you know, this was just one remedy, affirmative action, the only remedy to the legacy of discrimination and admissions in American higher education. And what's a better remedy? Uh, Ian Rowe. Well, fundamentally, it sounds like Mr. Cloud doesn't believe in black people. He doesn't believe that we actually have the ability to work hard, to study, to, strong to have strong families, to focus on education, to excel. Listen to the certainty within his voice. Listen to it. That literally is the perception that the Supreme Court, thankfully, has taken away because what Mr. Glau just said, there is no way that black people are going to excel, are going to succeed. Complete rejection of that ideology. That is what we need. The better approach is to say, how do we have more kids raised in strong families, preferably married to parent households, so they have strong foundations from the beginning, and then let's ensure every parent, every kid has the opportunity to choose a great public or private school for their child. That is the developmental approach that builds agency, the ability to lead a self-determined life, not some academic who, by the way, has been quite successful. So he certainly <laughs> has seemed to be able to do it, but he doesn't seem to think anyone else can. Yeah, he's getting a, a, a full professorship at Princeton. You can you can make some decent coin. Um, oh, no, of, of course, it's re, it's complete hypocrisy. We just need yeah, to reject well, this ideology. And amen to that. But uh, let me ask you what about one other thing in, in the small time remaining to us. We have kind of a remarkable situation at the moment where uh, there are a lot of Republican candidates for president, and three of them are black. Uh, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, uh, the 
talk show host and uh, and best-selling author Larry Elder, and Will Hurd, a former CIA yeah. agent and uh, congressman from uh, from Texas. What do you say? Yeah, and they're all and and they're also a couple non-black uh, candidates as well. You've got Vivek Ramaswamy. You've got uh, um, Nikki Haley, the former governor of Nikki Haley from South Carolina. So, you know, I mean, it's 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 pretty impressive, I have to say. So this whole ideology of there can't be success continues to be um, confounded by facts. And outdated. Uh, Ian Rowe, appreciate for what you do to get the facts out there. We will be right back on the Medved Show. Happy Fourth of July, Ian. Michael Medved.